Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Okay, continuing our discussion about cleft palate, um, we have a couple of things. So, bulldog breeds in the study are shown to be more likely to suffer from cleft lips and cleft palates than other breeds. This article is by Dr. Patty Cooley. Um, she's a very noted veterinarian, does a lot of good articles and research. Um, and Also a veterinarian medical dentist. Uh, oh, really? Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, and uh, we found that uh, they're about... 30% higher for the bulldogs. And then there's also, you know, some genetic work that's being done right now. We're actually going to talk about that uh, in just a minute as well. Um, we have uh, some genetic work being identified on the Nova Scotia duck tolling retriever. Mm-hmm. We actually have a few of those as patients. They're very cute. They are. Super interesting. But they have a gene known to be involved in normal palate development. This is, it's a they have a genetic mutation in a gene known to be involved in normal palate development. This so-called CP1 mutation appears only in that breed. And it's kind of sad. Um, some of the cleft palate puppies, um, actually people, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. They have to make decisions. So they do end up, unfortunately, just um, euthanizing those a lot frequently. They do because it... Um Unfortunately, it, it can be tragic for the puppy, um, especially if it's not really closable, um, and the puppy's suffering from infection and things like that. Um, the best thing we can do in any genetic disease is, uh, you know, the, the breeders uh, are working diligently to make sure that if it, there is a genetic defect or a genetic pool, that, um, that the, the, the parents are no longer... Uh, allowed to have puppies, uh, which can reduce genetic risk uh, and actually improve the breed in general. Mm. Um, companies like Embark uh, are, are coming onto the frontier as far as genetic testing, and that's really awesome because uh, we'll be able to um, have early detection for problems, um, and that's going to help the, the, the breed and the breeding programs immensely mm-hmm. as well. So um, Embark is, uh, is a wonderful company that's coming world-renowned in terms of genetic testing for dogs. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. Um, they actually have, um, okay, there's a, a disease called intervertebral disc disease. I'm putting out a blog post on it today. Um, we did uh, a guest post for Trupanion Pet Insurance Company, and it was about, like, what does holistic medicine do? How, what is, what is, what can I get out of that? And so we just kind of told the story of, you know, the way you heal this little dog named Bella, who is this little dachshund, mm-hmm. so cute. She had um, IVDD, intervertebral disc disease. Um, it came on really quick. She was still just, like, in puppyhood, practically. And the owner was like, well, I don't know what to do. The surgery is very expensive. I think $5,500, $7,500 at that time, which was, like, 10 years ago. And there's no guarantee with surgery that this dog would actually get better. So 
we ended up going and um, you did a whole bunch of stuff. You did like a big series of things that are described in our blog. Um, so I'm going to be posting that later today. It's at RiversideAnimalClinic.net. But the interesting part about this is they've now, since then, um, come up with an entire, uh, Embark has a list of genetic traits. They found that some animals do carry um, an increased risk of a slip disc event, and that is genetic. So um, you can get all of Embark's Breed Plus health kits, and they include the results for type 1 IVDD risk. And it's kind of an interesting story because the co-founder and chief science officer discovered that his own dog had a risk of IVDD. So kind of an interesting company. And I'm so glad this genetic stuff is coming out for animals now because, you know, I think we've all learned with the genetics, you're just kind of playing, you're kind of gambling with your health or kind of not knowing what could happen. But now they've got some kind of assurance or reassurance or, you know, you can kind of start planning for these things. So mm-hmm. explain a little bit about what IVDD is. Well, uh, intervertebral disc disease is a condition in which uh, the, uh, the, the ligament that holds the disc in place becomes weaker, uh, and through certain activities uh, and pressure on the disc allows it to slip out of place. Um, just above the disc, unfortunately, is the spinal cord. Now, the, once that disc slips up against the spinal cord, it can cause spinal cord damage up to and including uh, complete uh, compression on the spinal cord uh, to cause paralysis. Now, there can also be various levels of numbness called paresis. A lot of dogs do present with paresis in which they're stumbling uh, and not able to coordinate their back end uh, to, like Bella, full paralysis and even a deep pinch uh, test on the back feet uh, can elicit no response, like they don't mm-hmm. feel anything at all. So uh, there's various levels. Uh, commonly, surgery is done uh, in the Western medicine uh, to remove part of the disc. It's called a hemilaminectomy. Uh, the idea is to take the pressure off the spinal cord, uh, even though the disc is, is still out of place, it cannot be replaced, uh, that the pressure is released off the spinal cord and allow the spinal cord to repair itself. So um, uh, a lot of success on surgery, unfortunately, very expensive, unfortunately, a, a long recovery time, uh, but sometimes uh, it has to be done. Uh, but in the case of Bella, they were not going to do surgery no matter what. Mm-hmm. So the alternatives... They were going on a cruise, actually. and They were. So there was nobody to take care of Bella, so she stayed with us. <laughs> I think it was a week or 10 days. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we worked really hard, and this is your first big case of IVDD where you were able to restore um, her completely back to health. She still comes in here to this day mm-hmm. and sees us, and now she's getting to be an older dog, which is weird. I mean, we've known Bella so long now. Yeah, so, it's happened about yeah. 2011, so, you know, we almost uh, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and, and she was a year old, so she's 11, you know, to almost mm-hmm. 12 years old, yeah. um, and still doing very, very well. The, the thing about genetic diseases like this, though, is that, I, in my opinion, they're probably going to find a lot of genetic flaws that do come up. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing is, is even though they have a genetic mutation that could cause a problem, unless it's expressed, it will never happen. So in case right. of IBDD, 
then you can look at diet, you can look at exercise, you can look at prevention, prevention, um, right. and doing a lot of things uh, to manipulate so it's never expressed. So, so a genetic risk is not necessarily a death sentence, or I know you're going to get it, or no. anything like that. So it's part of how you live. It's part of how you live because in order to have disease, you have to have genetics plus environment. So environmental uh, environment is what expresses the gene to then either show good health or show bad health, one of the two. It, it doesn't discriminate. So all the data coming in, if it's good data, it's going to have good outcome. If it's bad data coming in, then you may have a genetic flaw that could, could come up, like in a particular disc disease or certain cancers, things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, as far as, like, prevention, I think the dogs that do the best are fit and active, right? Fit and and not fat. Yeah. And the problem is, yeah, weight problems are probably the biggest issue in in the United States for sure, Um, mostly because uh, just like for ourselves, food is abundant, a lot of great, wonderful diets. Um, The spay-neuter process does have something to do with that because a lot of pets are, are, uh, you know, spayed and neutered before a year of age. Um, A lot of them before they're three years old. So they go most of their life without hormones, testosterone, and estrogen that actually help to repartition the food energy into muscle instead of body fat. Mm -hmm. So there again, it's back to the pie uh, analogy is that you're going to get too much extra energy that has nowhere to go. So the body creates inflammation. That inflammation has to be buffered by fat. So then you get lipomas, these fatty deposits. You can get a lot of what they call internal body fat especially around the heart, the kidney, and the liver. This is place we don't want fat around this okay. because uh, it, it's going to squeeze off and prevent normal function. Mm-hmm. And so internal body fat is important. The problem is you can't see internal body fat there again, just like the lung issue, until it's too late. So then the belly's starting no to idea. drop. Right? No idea. And then also um, one of your biggest go-tos with dogs that have these short legs, long back, or just like little dogs in general, because um, we have other breeds that come in with paralysis. We've seen many, many paralysis cases, mm-hmm. um, advised people on their paralysis cases if they couldn't come in. Um, but the biggest problem that all of them have in common is going down the stairs or jumping off the of furniture. So, mm-hmm. And people will say, well, she jumps off the furniture, but it wasn't until she went outside that her back started to hurt or she, she had something happened outside and it's like, well, it probably happened in the house and she was jumping off, you know, like a mattress. Mattresses are huge now. They're very tall compared mm-hmm. to the way they used to be. So that's a huge issue. Just jumping off of couches and stuff. Why in a long dog or really any dog is this such a problem? Awesome point because the before their a year old, their growth plates don't close mm-hmm. and it allows the bone to stretch and grow. Um, a lot of puppies, they, they, I recommend four on the floor, at least till they're a year old. Mm-hmm. So they shouldn't jump. They shouldn't be, other than just jumping up and, and playfully happy, but they shouldn't be allowed on the bed. They shouldn't be allowed on chairs, and, and especially dogs that, uh, small breed dogs, mm-hmm. especially the dachshunds high risk for IBD. The, um, the other thing is that 
if they're spayed and, neutered, spayed and neutered before a year of age, the growth plate can take longer to close. So even though oh, they're really? over a year old, the growth plate may take a year and a half to completely close up. Wow. So that allows those bones. You can imagine if you have a bone that's not rigid, that's able to be sculpted, that compression is going to cause bending and sculpting of the bone. Okay? That can throw the knee off just enough to cause problems with, you know, the uh, cruciate ligament issue, hip issues, back issues, you know, shoulder issues, things like that. The criteria afterwards, at least for me, is that they shouldn't jump up or down off anything that's higher than their back. Okay, so if we take the dachshund, for example, uh, the height of their back is about probably 10 inches, maybe 12 inches in the bigger one. Now, if they're up on a bed that's four feet high, that would be the same as you jumping off the roof to the ground on a one-story building. Lots of compression. Now, the dogs can do it because they're genetically designed and ergonomically designed to do that. But you can imagine the compression that it's putting on these dogs, uh, especially their front legs when they're jumping down. Now, they can jump up fine, but it's the jumping down part that's not good. Um, So nothing higher than their back. So that... even a stair is too big. Even a stair is slightly too big, you know? And I feel like they're, you know, when you've got the long back, like, they can be, it's really hard for them to get downstairs unless they can figure out how to move their back from right. stair to stair, which would be back and forth and back and forth the whole way down. Or like a but I think feet. most of them, right, most of them just don't do that. So their feet are up here. Mm-hmm. There's this empty stair, and then their feet are on the next stair down. Imagine that yeah. process. Just Very like hard on them. Just going up and down and just right in the middle of the back. That's where most of them, that, yeah. that T13 L1 vertebrae is where they get pressed. And uh, in, in especially uh, the more pressure, downward pressure, the more compression on the disc is going to make it slip out. It's like a yeah. squeeze in a grape. Mm. Yeah. And they're cute and they're little, so you want to cuddle them and everything, but you really do need to work with a trainer or just be really consistent on your own about letting them up on a couch and letting them jump down. Um, same with the staircase. So, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things, just seem to be a common thread. Common thread every time. And, and what uh, about the bigger dogs? You've had some large dogs that have had um, paralysis in their back legs. We actually are renting a large dog wheelchair now, so looking for some smaller, somebody borrowed a smaller dog wheelchair, I can't find it, but um, we're looking you know, at wheelchair donations to be able to help people um, rent out you know, a wheelchair for you know, maybe a week or something, because sometimes mm-hmm. that's all it takes. Or, you know, a lot of people will have them, um, a dog in a wheelchair for life, hopefully not, but that hasn't been our case at this point. Yeah, and our little friend, Wilby, was in yesterday, and he loves his cart. You yeah, Wilby's so cute. He needs a, it, he uses it more as a walker than, because he, he's actually not completely paralyzed, but okay. But he comes charging in, and he's, he's just like, he owns a clinic, where I got to go get my treatment, yes. and I got to go say hello to <laughs> the charity over here. <laughs> And he yeah. really does get around in his little car. Yeah, he so, loves it. Yeah, so it, yeah. And it takes the pressure off his back. Um, so you can use the carts, you know, from com- complete paralysis, uh, like we did for Bella. It actually helped her uh, to kind of retrain her legs to move. Mm-hmm. Pretty soon yeah. her little legs were going. Yeah. And her tail, too, because her tail was paralyzed, which was, I don't know, 
that's so sad, you know, that they can't wag their little tail. And, um, but pretty soon there she was and she was walking around. That she so, walked out to see her parents. When they I think arrived. maybe she's yeah. been only been back. I mean, she's been back very little for treatment. So I think a year or two later, we had a couple tune ups, but after that, mm-hmm. we, we yeah. haven't had any tune ups yeah. there at all. She came in for a dental. We did some dental work on her, uh, here this, in fact, this year I saw her. So, mm-hmm. um, and you have plenty of other dogs who come here for paralysis yeah. and, um, and then just come back for a tweak here and there. Yeah. yeah. So the bigger dogs, do they suffer from the same situation? They do. Um, often it, it occurs more from exertional activity. So, right, so they're playing. Two and, big dogs are tumbling yeah. together. Um, <laughs> they knock the back out. Um, in case of the German Shepherd, if they're playing Frisbee and going up high, oh. um, could cause the back issue. And then also um, falling injuries, slipping injuries, like they're trying to jump up on the bed and slip. Or if they're knocked off the bed, and that's a common problem, is that even though you may help them up on the bed, if you're sound asleep and you bump them, they're going to fall on the ground. Yeah. You know, even a big right. dog can, can land on their backside, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, it, it hits that tailbone. It's automatic compression yeah. of that middle spine. Yeah. 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 I see to, you know, you got to kind of do, be careful. Ever since um, it wasn't at this clinic, but it was um, when we owned our old clinic in Ohio, um, an owner came in extremely, you know, extremely distraught. Um, she wasn't even our client there. That clinic was closed. She just came to the next place that was open. That was us. And her dog had an accident while they were playing ball, and it flipped over and over and ended up breaking its back there. So even though, you know, not every dog is going to end up in that situation, mm-hmm. that's often the situation that you're saying that you see big issues pop up. Right, for sure. That that exertional exercise where now the probably the body's most susceptible to injury, especially on uneven terrain when they're, you know, they're, they're going 100 miles an hour. Yes. And then all of a sudden they make a turn or they... Uh, and, and surprisingly, they don't roll more often, but they just, mm-hmm. it's like a car wreck, you know, yeah. going in the ditch 70 miles an hour, you know, it's right. flipping, flipping, flipping. Yeah. I will never forget that situation. Yeah. I will never forget how distraught those people were. Yeah. And every time I've gone to play with one of my dogs, when it, ever since then, I just can't, I think of it every single time I go and like start throwing a ball or anything. And it's like, let's not do this too long. And. Yeah. Let's not get too crazy about it. Yeah, especially uh, multiple dogs. That was really tough. You know, they can run into each other and, um, and cause some real problems, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay, so we were going to talk about um, the phone calls and um, some of the emails and stuff that we get about one of our blog posts on RiversideAnimalClinic.net. Um, you can just Google it because it's at the top of Google, and it's about apple cider vinegar and the dosing. So I did get an email from Tammy. Uh, she says, uh, or actually it's a Facebook message, sorry. I've been doing research on the uses of apple cider vinegar for fleas. Your website mentions the dose, add one teaspoon ACV for small dogs to a water dish in the morning. Use one tablespoon apple cider vinegar for medium and large dogs, but you don't mention in how much water. Also, my little dog drinks out of a one-gallon automatic water, so how much do I need to add to it for her? So for doing... Um it, it, it varies when you're using it for drinking water because uh, sometimes you have to titrate it to what the pet enjoys. 
um, I know for me, if I drink apple cider vinegar water, uh, it's pretty tart, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. so uh, sour. and sour for sure. And so dogs are not uh, usually keen on that. But um, one teaspoon to say roughly eight ounces of water to sixteen ounces of water should be sufficient not to doctor the water too much where they would refuse it. But there again, titrate it to what you feel as that they're going to tolerate. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes just a, a few few drops in there at first to get them started. Okay. You, know. you got to kind of work up into that one sometimes. It's yeah, not for every right. dog, but there's not too many dogs that are going to reject it. No, and uh, and you can use the 50-50 apple cider vinegar. So, and 50-50 is, you know, if you want to use an 8-ounce bottle or 16-ounce bottle, is half apple cider vinegar, half water. And that can for be what? used as a mouth rinse. Okay. That can be used as an ear rinse. Um, that can be put into a spray bottle and sprayed on topically. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can be for Fritos feet, you know, to spray on mm-hmm. the, the, the feet, yeasty feet. The yeasty feet. So a number of varieties. But of I better feet. not catch you <laughs> putting that apple cider vinegar on anything raw. No raw skin, no raw ears. Yeah. It's a very high potency. Um, you may want to dial it down for your animal too. 50-50 is a lot. Um, but do not ever use it on raw skin, okay? And skin is inside the ear, so don't use it on that either. I can't yeah. stand it when people say, oh, it doesn't sting as much if you dilute it. And it's like, well, why would you want to sting it at all? Yeah, we don't want to sting at all. And, no. And uh, the litmus test for ears there, again, as we said before, if they lean into you, that's yeast, probably can handle apple cider vinegar. If they're pushing away or just touch the ear at all and they're, they're very upset, don't put, don't put that in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to probably cause more irritation. That actually, we did a blog post on that, which is very popular. It's also at the top of Google. Um, So we kind of detail that and kind of show you, like, the expression on the dog's face when you're handling them. But if, you know, I think the best advice is never put something in your dog's ear unless you know what's going on in there. Mm -hmm. Because we do, um, we, you know, somebody comes in for an ear infection, we might treat it once. And if our treatment, the standard treatment, doesn't go away, the ear infection doesn't go away, then we always do a culture after that. That's just kind of our policy because the stuff you find in ear cultures is absolutely disgusting. So you can find strep, um, staph. We've found so many ears with MRSA. MRSA, um, pseudomonas. Pseudomonas. I mean, and you know, you think about it, your dog's like shaking its head over, it's around your family, it's in your kitchen, it's all over the place. So that, uh, you know... The best advice you always give everyone is don't keep putting stones. Do not treat that one at home. It's so painful. And, you know, why would you? Just just take this one to the vet. And, um, you know, and if you're not getting anywhere, because we get a lot of those phone calls too. I've, I'm not getting anywhere. I've spent a lot of money on this animal. We had one owner who spent $10,000 on his dog's ears. And he still comes here. He's been coming here for years now. And you were able to solve it through SRT. Um, you did some diet stuff, and you also treated the ears. Mm-hmm. So you were yeah, able to yeah, that straighten that out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so if you're going to a vet and you just don't feel like you're getting anywhere and you've had maybe one or two ear infections, just request the culture. So the ear culture goes to the lab. It takes a while for it to come back. You're not going to get an answer overnight. That one takes some time. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have a really good idea. You will know exactly what grew in that culture. And then you can get custom medications that are created like through a compounding pharmacy 
And you can have those mailed to you. You can pick them up locally if you've got a compound pharmacy near you. We are very blessed to have a really good one called Wakanda Pharmacy here. Um, so it serves a lot of, you know, all of our patients and then um, throughout Chicagoland, I think, as well. Um, but, you know, just do that. So you don't feel like your dog, first of all, you don't want your dog to suffer. And ear pain is suffering. Mm-hmm. And second of all, you know, you just get to the bottom of it. And, you know, some of that stuff is super gross. You don't want it in your house. That's how I feel about it anyway. Very strong bacteria. And, um, you know, with, with ear culture, you get the, the, the type of organism that's growing. Uh, you also get what they call a, a culture and sensitivity. So the sensitivity is telling you, okay, what is it sensitive to after it's grown? And that's where Wakanda does a great job because it can take that information and make a customized ear medicine. Um, to date, unless I'm mistaken, they're 100% on these tough ear cases. They've done a wonderful job in getting the ear doing medicine. Pretty good, yeah. yeah. They're doing pretty yeah. really good. So, yeah. And it's also customized for a long time. So if we have to do refills, they have a relapse after a year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Also, ear disease, uh, interestingly enough, in Chinese medicine, which is related to the gallbladder and the liver. Okay, so... If there's some imbalance going on, especially in chronic ear issues, we can start to take a look at the internal structures of the body that may be contributing to that disease. So um, it's important to have um, a holistic valuation on top of the the Western exam and evaluation as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, both both work really good. So um, everybody's getting into the CBD oil right now. The pandemic has really shaken up this segment. People are super interested in it. And they're using it a lot for their pets. Um, and this product, all these, this whole entire line of products seems to be here to stay. Um, in 2019, uh, it was 20 to $25 million in the pet category in the United States, predicted to grow to 40 to $60 million by the end of 2020, which we're there. So, and that's from um, the Nielsen Company, so very reliable data that they have going on there. Eventually, by 2025, the CBD pet space could be worth 175 to $225 million across all channels. And that's pretty crazy. So a lot of people, you know, they're home. They need something to calm their pet down. Now that they're home and they see what's actually happening, they're gone at work all day and the dog is at home, they're starting to see a few things. So um, you see aggression. Uh, dog bites have gone up, especially on children since the pandemic started. So that's a dangerous situation. Um, you know, people have to stay home. Their kids are at home, the pets at home. Um, so that requires some supervision if you, uh, even if you feel like you can totally trust your pet. It's just not always the case. Um, so definitely something to watch out for. So people are starting to rely on CBD now for so much more. And it looks like the human users are the ones who are going and adapting it to their pets even quicker than people who, um, you know, are just kind of new to the whole CBD uh, option. There um, is the Pet Business 2020 Industry Recognition Awards, and they had a couple of dog calming aids. And um, one of them is from LVET Sciences. They've been hitting it really hard in the veterinary industry of, you know, trying to get clinics to carry this. Um, and it's maximum strength, calm, and comfort with CBD and CBDA. It provides maximum strength, fast release for short-term stress situations. So something um, you could do now if you were, say, going to take your dog to the vet in an hour or two hours or you knew you were having company over 
kids are having a play date, that stresses the dog out. This says provides relief in as soon as one to two hours. And each pack contains just three chews with 45 milligrams of cannabinoids. Is that, mm-hmm. that right? Okay. You said either way, cannabinoids or cannabinoids. So that's on their industry recognition awards at Pet Business Magazine. Um, there's also a relax and roll bar, <laughs> which is super cute. Uh, the name is cute. And uh, it's supposed to be helping for car rides, vet visits, crowded gatherings, or weathering out storms or fireworks. I think um, it's a good idea to test this and see if that's something that is going to work for your pet ahead of time, so don't rely on it just immediately. And um, CBD might not be enough in some situations, so for fireworks um, or something that's really stressful for your dog, like a thunderstorm, mm-hmm. you may end up needing some kind of prescription medication. Um, that's usually pretty much right, though, all the time for animals with um, severe problems. So. Anything from the common things are like ace chromazine. Um, those that's a common prescription, correct? Alprazolam and uh, trazodone. Okay. Uh, for those uh, unfortunately problem dogs, which get uh, creates high stress or destruction behavior, you know, in which um, you know, unfortunately, the owners who have those pets are very fearful that if they leave, and all of a sudden. The Storming before they get home, they're rushing home to make sure that their house is not destroyed because those pets are, are really super stressed out and they act out that stress and, and destructive behavior. Those are the dogs that we have to help with, uh, with management tools that are more Western medicine. Uh, but we can rely on the, the CBD products and other natural products because uh, that's going to reduce the dependency on stronger medications and over time, it can help the dog to uh, to learn how to be alone in stressful situations, or or even uh, when you are home and they stress out during the storm, fireworks or gatherings, or things yeah. like that. Um, it's going to help a lot. You want to go as natural as you can at first. Try to target the times that they do that, and like the this, the uh, uh, that product, you know, give them a little lean time, like you mm-hmm. said, one or two hours ahead, and just. Uh, then they can cruise right into the situation and be a lot more relaxed. And I, I mean, I think everybody's going to respond differently to the CBD yeah. dose. For so sure. you're going to maybe have to tinker with that a little bit. Um, this article from Pet Business Magazine uh, says that uh, we found that both pet parents and their owners look for natural relief for these five main reasons. To manage a health problem, avoid prescription medications, improve quality of life, relieve pain, and manage stress. And they're interested in bringing their lifestyle habits into their pet parenting style. So that is Jay Hartenbach, founder of Medterra, is a provider of CBD products in the human space and has recently entered the pet space as well. So um, that's just kind of the case, I think, all around in any holistic medicine. We have so many owners who maybe come in for acupuncture because they recognize that their pet is in pain and they'll say, well, I had it done, so I want my pet to have it. And people are very willing to try anything natural to help relieve, you know, and, and prevent themselves having to go on some kind of drug, you know, a statin drug for humans has a lot of side effects. Um, you know, pretty much every, every medication has a side effect that we know of. Sure. So people are, you know, willing, very willing these days to try something natural. And it's kind of cool when they decide that they could do that for their animal as well. Sometimes it goes a little too far, 
but um, with with certain products and certain <laughs> styles of, of come in with a basket full of things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes we'll have a. I, I just take a picture of it instead of entering it all into the medical records as like a laundry basket full of natural pet products. So, um, getting a little guidance on that never hurts, right? Right. That's right. And you know, going as natural as possible. The endorphins probably the most powerful internal. Uh, substance in the body. Uh, once it's released, it, you get a euphoric, um, you get massive serotonin release, you get pain relief, you get recovery, you get balance, and it's right inside our body. Endorphins are endogenous morphine. So it's our own natural morphine source. And uh, the endocannabinoids uh, and the, the, the receptor centers in the body help release that. It okay. also is a standalone therapy to, to also reduces inflammation, obviously reduces stress, um, helps with digestion. You know, it's kind of a standalone therapy. It's a great choice to use for any disease problem or management tool, uh, even if you just want to stay healthy. Yeah. So we have um, a new product, though, and I had a couple questions about it. Um, it's liposomal mm-hmm. CBD. What is that? Well, uh, because... The, when they started out it, it, in its oil form, uh, sometimes it's very difficult uh, to get that into the body as easily. And so the liposomal... Because you have to put it in their mouth? Or well, what do you mean it's difficult? It's the, once you get it in there, um, the, the, the method of getting it in there, for one, so if they won't take it directly and you put it on the food, uh, they may not absorb that as well. Or if you try to put, obviously, oil and water, it's just going to sit on top and they're not going to drink it. The liposomal uh, technology has allowed the CBD, which is an oil, to be put, and even hemp oil, to be put in a liquid. It's water-soluble. So now you can put it on food. You can put it in water. Um, It's going to, uh, because it has the liposomal technology, it's going to get into the cells easier. Because there was some question, and, you know, once it was in there, how well was it absorbed? you know, how much of the actual uh, CBD was absorbed and what was oh. actually urinated out or, or defecated out. So liposomal technology allows more of the CBD to become available. In the body. In the body, so the body can use it better. Interesting. Um, and that's also a, a cool thing. So maybe well. that's some of, the, some of the issues surrounding, like, different responses in different people or different animals to... Right. Absorbability, um, especially if you have GI upset, you're not going to absorb things as well. And liposomal technology helps that get in there better. Um, it also opened the door for you know for us as humans to have CBD put into uh, different drinks and things like that. Uh, you can put well. it in water. Yep, you can put now. in water. Mm-hmm. You can put it in your that's cool. Your uh, vitamin water as well. Yeah. Like yeah. All right. All right. Um, and that carrier oil for that. Um, particular product, it's Pet Relief Liposomal um, CBD. So it has like a certain milligram of CBD, but the carrier oil isn't hemp oil in this. The carrier oil for the CBD is, uh, I believe, some kind of fish oil. It's really good. It's natural. I just can't remember. <laughs> I don't have the bottle in front of me right now because I left it over there. But um, that is, so that gives you a nice little hit of the essential fatty acids because it was like some kind of natural salmon oil, I think. So that's kind of cool. Um, the different carrier oils I am confused about, though. So you've got, you see some things advertised as hemp oil, 
with CBD, and then you see things just advertised as hemp. The FDA has actually issued a lot of warnings to people about some of the um, the ways they're branding things, the way they're putting the ingredients in. Um, and if you're buying something that has CBD oil and pure CBD oil, it's a very expensive ingredient compared to hemp seed oil. So if you're looking at a product and it looks like, you know, okay, well, that's $14 cheaper than the other one. This says it's hemp seed oil. Mm. You don't want that. That's not, that's not going to be the product that you're looking for if right. you're looking to do the relaxation CBD thing. Right. The true hemp oil is, you know, and that's where it gets confusing because mm-hmm. they can, if, if it's true hemp oil, it's considered hemp seed. It should be stated hemp seed oil. And that is hemp comes from the seed. Okay. And so if, if you don't see that, uh, then uh, hemp oil could be considered in the same family as CBD oil. Now, the confusion is, well, isn't hemp hemp? And the answer is no. The species uh, is a little bit different for the hemp plant itself, which is legal, is legal in all 50 states. But the CBD version or species of plant is not. And so you have to check each state to make sure it is actually illegal, or legal to use it or not. And, um, and you can look up, if you're, if you're wondering about that, you're not sure, the FDA has sent warning letters to some companies for illegally selling CBD products and falsely advertising them as safe and effective medical treatments. Yeah. And um, so doing a little research as a consumer and seeing what's involved in all of this, it's like extremely, I mean, there's so much. And there's like a big table you can find on the Internet about the difference between cannabis, hemp plant, and hemp seeds. And... Um, just how it all works. So I would definitely say that would be a pretty good idea. And then look up the company, see if they've received any warning letters from the FDA as well. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. Hope we got all your questions answered today, and we appreciate your time. Uh, We'll see you soon here on Voice America. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening this week to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson, again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend.